today on episode 817 of CXO Talk, we're discussing the chief marketing officer role and AI. Our guest is Greg Stewart, who is CEO of MMA Global. We are a nonprofit industry body for CMOs. So we work with the world's largest marketers. My board chair is the CMO of AT&T. My previous board chair was the CMO of General Motors, just to give you a sense of it. As all trade bodies are really intended to, all nonprofit trade do kind of the similar thing, which is what does the future look like? And what do we do to march the industry in that direction in an accelerated way? That's basically the focus of all these things. You run an extraordinary number of events around the world. We have uh, 800 corporate members globally. We have, I have teams that operate in 15 countries worldwide. We run 35 conferences. I mean, some of those are four or five, even there's one that's 6,000 people a year. So yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to do this. You know, I think that the work that we do in the initiatives and some of the research and the insight development is, is the bigger deal. Uh, but yes, we're very big as most trade groups in bringing convening, you know, people together, members together. Yes. You are in touch with CMOs, as you said, from the largest organizations in the world. And so you really have a good sense of what CMOs are thinking, what are they focused on, what are the challenges that they're facing? We operate in kind of a think tank mode. Our basic orientation is that there are huge gaps in marketers' knowledge about how certain parts of the business really work. And there's also, and this is the one that even a little more discouraging, is that there are parts of the industry that many markers to believe to be true, but just aren't so. And so why the CMOs appreciate us is because we're truth tellers. I have no ax to grind. I don't sell anything other than being a membership organization in trying to really make marketing and marketers better. It's in essence to raise the stature and gravitas of the CMO within their organizations to give them better credentialization. And the way we go at this, as you said, or we mentioned here, is that I work with the world's biggest CMOs. What's also interesting and a little bit rare is it's called a big tent strategy. We also have all the solutions companies, the tech companies. So, you know, Meta at the highest levels is sitting within the MMA, uh, Google, Pinterest, Snap, you know, everybody at the most senior level of those companies are focused on really trying to make the marketing industry a better business and a, and a, and and better for better for everybody too better for consumers too I mean it comes a lot into the work that we do Greg as you talk with CMOs what are the the focus points and the concerns that CMOs are facing right now I think that's a good way to establish yeah. context for our discussion Yeah we operate in think tanks so I've got a think tank that's focused on measurement and attribution how do we actually really understand the return on investment of the decisions that we as marketers make. And you'd be shocked at how bad we are about that. I can give an example of something we do. We do a lot of work around marketing org and marketing strategy. Like I'll give you a small example of that. We, we have built a product and it's an actual product now. It started as a thesis that we worked on, but um, we can now tie marketing organizational decisions to actual financial performance of the company. We know how to boost sales versus detract from sales into the or into the design of the work. And listen, Michael, I don't know. You you do a lot of these calls with a lot of different C-suite executives. I've never heard that happen in any other part of the organization. And marketing is now advanced there. 
we do a lot of work in data and customer experience. the The underlying thesis of and, I, and uh, the underlying thesis of marketing has really been around brand. There's a big part of the business around brand. We actually know from our research that the central focus of marketing going forward is around customer experience. That is today's winning strategy. And we're going to talk about AI here at some point as to the next iteration of those things. But those are really the three main areas where we play. What about AI? Let's let's shift into that. I guess the very first question is from your perspective, as you speak with these CMOs, how important is AI and generative AI at this moment in time to, to marketers? It seems like an obvious question, but maybe not so obvious. We've done a series of uh, state of you know survey research with marketers lately. Uh, one of those around the state of AI in particular. And, you know, uh, uh, when we do that study, probably earlier this year would have been probably Q1. We actually believed about half of markers at that point said they were scaling some type of AI effort of some kind so in the beginning of the year. Uh, we did a more recent study around generative AI, and two-thirds said that they were just starting to explore. So I think they're in it. But, you know, listen, Michael, I've done the research. I mean, this is kind of my job. This is the job of the MMA. I've done the research, and you'd be insane as a marketer not to be leaning into AI is the most important thing you should be focused on right now, in, in our opinion, and based on our data, partly based on our opinion. Given that it's so important, where are we in terms of actual usage and adoption in the real world? I still think that's a little slow. Um, I get some marketers are doing some pilots around some areas. Um, and it, well, here's a good way to, here's maybe a good way to kind of frame it. Okay. Uh, we have a basic framework when we talk to markers, and this is not to be overly simplified. It's not going to be that dramatic of a framework. But we basically say, listen, there's three things you basically would want to accomplish with AI or anything new for that matter, but AI in particular. Where is it developed greater efficiency? Where can you sort of improve the processes? Can you maybe somewhat even improve somewhat at the product of marketing, especially the cost and the expense of doing it? And, you know, like, I don't know if people sort of understand, like I was talking to a CMO of a big company the other day, and they were talking about a campaign they had launched that had 5,000 assets within it. Those of you who are my age, you know, well, maybe remember it used to just be a 30-second television ad or some variation of that. But the business of marketing has got incredibly complicated. But first around efficiency, how do you bring those 5,000 assets to the marketplace, that content elements, and push those out? Second part of it is, but what are you doing to boost performance? Are there places, and we've got a lot of research, we're going to get into that bit here, but uh, that's where I see some of the biggest opportunity. And the other one is that I think that nobody's really, I don't know if people are working against it, I'm not sure we'd even know right now, but it, and, and it's going to happen at some point, is when does it become game-changing? What are we doing to reach for the stars that so we can really move the needle? I don't know if we know what that looks like yet. The first two easier, but that's where I see most of the effort being organized around. Managing content, being more efficient, creating content, for example, that's not exactly strategic if you're CMO of a really, really large company. Now, it's important, but that's not going to change the game, as you said. There's a certain amount of efficiency, but you also got to make sure that stuff is done, well, factually correct, which obviously AI, we all know, you know, with hallucination, other has a little bit of a challenge too, but also too, that it represents the brand and it represents the brand voice. And so we were having a conversation, as you know, I have a I have a, a podcast that I do now called Decoding AI for Marketers, uh, and that uh, guy, gentleman named Rex Briggs, and I do. 
And we had a guy on there the other day. It was very interesting. He said, "Yes, we've you know we have the we have the AI trained or generative AI then to develop content for us." He goes, "What we now need is a separate AI system that is validating that it got it right," which I thought was a kind of funny. Like the machines checking the machines felt sort of as an unusual concept. I I don't know that that technology exists yet. If it does, if somebody has brand voice, I mean, actually, you know, my friends over at Grammarly, if you're familiar with that tool, they've actually built into their next enterprise vision. I'm not an expert at this, so they can talk more about it, but they built into their enterprise vision, the ability to make sure that communications going off from salespeople are reflecting the brand tone, brand voice, and some of the uh, product elements. So I, I think we're on the cusp of that kind of thing if, if, I, if I'm capturing what's going on out there. So there is early adoption that is, say, tactical, but maybe some strategic coming down the pike. Do you actually hear about specific use cases that are more strategic, or is that just still too much in the future? I ran a panel yesterday for an event, and it was interesting. I asked people, I asked the panelists, which was either a group of CMOs or ex-CMOs, I said, you know, where are you in thinking about AI? And you know what's funny about it, Michael? They they talked about um, it was very strange to me. They talked about well, you know, we have to be a little bit careful. We have to manage the risk. You know, like like you know, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. You know, so they, they give a very dare I say corporate cautious answer. So I I was kind of taken back that that's where they went first. So then I said, well, how important do you think AI is? Give me one to ten. Ten being oh my god, change the world like we've never seen before. One being you know what's AI. And you know what they pick? They picked eight and a half, nine, maybe even sometimes. And I was kind of like, well, how can you, I, I kind of call them out on like, why are you focusing and talking to focus on talking to me about risk? You sound like corporate people rather than people really trying to change the world or transform the company. Now, what was interesting is that as I kind of listened to their conversation, I think they were, they were, I think they were getting pressure from their CEOs to go faster, and they were trying to put the brakes on in some level in order for them to kind of catch up. As my sense of what was going on in that conversation, which listen, as an entrepreneur, you know, I, I run a company of about a hundred people right now. I mean, you know, I, I I don't have that kind of caution. Like we are go, let's make it happen. That's what small companies tend to do. So. I think it was a reflection of Bitcoin. I think they're still struggling a little bit with it. And I don't think we've got good organization system, but the MMA is doing that. Like one of the projects we have going on right now is how do you organize your, your marketing org department for growth through AI? And so we'll be doing some research and capturing some frameworks around that over the next two, three months and trying to give that to marketers and give them an ability to kind of move a little bit faster. But now I think kind of variation of your question, it still feels very early to me. It sounds like there is a good amount of fear, I guess you could say fear of the unknown at this point among CMOs. This is the thing with marketers and kind of the thesis of the MMA, right? Is that, you know, listen, nobody in marketing is prepared for AI, right? Most of us don't have technical backgrounds. Most of us don't even have good statistical or mathematical backgrounds to understand the complexity. But you also see that show up in the rest of the business. I don't want to get too distracted from the AI topic, but you know, there's basic parts of marketing that we are incredibly unclear about. Like I'll give you a good example. I mentioned sort of measurement attribution. About four years ago, I started to hear marketers talk to I heard started to hear CMOs. They would they would say things like this. They would go, they, there was this tension in the organization around brand and performance, a brand versus performance. And if you talk to the brand people, they say, oh, those performance people, they're, you know, they're just focused on short-term goals. They have no appreciation for long-term brand customer equity. Okay. 
if you talk to the performance people, they say things, well, the brand people are full of rainbows and unicorns. They just make shit up. They don't really know what to do and they have no measurable goals. Okay. So there's a tension in the organization. What caught me about that situation though is we took a step back. This is typical MMA. We took we didn't ask the markers what to do about it. I don't ask, I don't ask them how to make a faster horse. I never ask my members how to make a faster horse. I just don't believe in that. It's our job to go back and say, okay, well, if that's the conflict and it's a legitimate conflict. Do we think optimizing short-term or uh, long-term would have value? Okay, yes. So let's think that, yes, that does. We Our initial thesis hypothesis was it would. Then we took a step back and said, well, is there a methodology that would allow you to measure? Because this is a math problem. This is not a cold fusion go to Mars problem. This is just simple math. It didn't exist. There is no methodology in the world today that I'm aware of, and I've asked this question of 300 CMOs, so I'm pretty sure we're right on that, that would allow you to assess the value of brand relative performance. In essence, what you're really trying to figure out, what is the value of brand in the way the CFO is going to care about? Nobody knew. Oh my God. I was like, this is so, and this is the underlying basis of the whole damn business at some level. So we built a methodology, raised two and a half million dollars, and we are now in field with four brands to try to assess that. And we've released two studies so far. Actually, one's not out. We released this study with Ally Financial. Andrea Bremer did that. She's phenomenal. Amazing, amazing. And we also have another study with Kroger's, which the boards have seen, but we're not taking public. And what we know today that if you run a brand campaign, a brand ad campaign today, and it delivers a dollar in revenue, right, which is a very measurable proposition, that's not hard. We now know through the research methodology we created and figured out and now running that for Ally, that was adding a dollar and a half in revenue over the next nine months. And for Kroger's, it looks like the number is closer to five bucks additional. So now I can go to the CFO, to her or him, and say, hey, here's the value of investing brand in the next year, can we do that? Or do we need to have short-term programs right now because there's quarterly goals or some other dynamic with the business? Like it's now a strategy discussion rather than this sort of esoteric, like, hey, brand matters long-term, you know? So it's a very big deal. That's the kind of problems we are trying to solve. And we're going to bring that same kind of level of insight, knowledge, and rigor to AI and really help markers to advance themselves here. That's the idea of the, of the MMA. Please subscribe to our newsletter and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out cxotalk.com. So the fundamental question then is how to align activities such as metrics, measurements, attribution, or AI back to the core mission of the organization and expectations of the CMO. I think there's two things. One is what are we going to do, right? Like what are the opportunities? What are the use cases of marketing? And I now have 45 clear use cases that we put together. And I literally will be taking back to the marketer members this coming week, this next week, we're, we're Friday today. So I got a meeting Tuesday and then another meeting Thursday with a working group. To figure out, Here are the use cases we see that you've told us we've developed, turned them into hypotheses. Where are these are we going to focus on? And we're going to go do that. Okay, that's the primary goal. We're also doing a big initiative around responsible AI, which I, I don't want to lose that. I'm sure we'll come back to that here at some point. But yes, we're developing we're an testable thesis hypothesis. And if I can, Mike, you want me, let me give you the one that we've done now, the biggest one. This is why, this is why you, you can hear my voice. Like, I'm excited. Listen, I'm a marketer. I care about marketing. I'd like to see my business saved. I think there's way too much bullshit in our business we just don't know about. There's way too much stuff we just make up. And it's kind of out of control. And it's part of the reason why I don't think we're respected within the C-suite of organizations. And MMA is going to fix that. Here's the AI example. We had a thesis about a year ago. In fact, it was brought to me by a very good friend of mine named Rex Briggs, one of the most brilliant people in all of the marketing business, no question about it. And Rex said he had been doing some work for vaccine adoption. 
And what he realized is that you can't just put out a broad brand message, a call, because the people who are vaccinated are going to get vaccinated already did. He says, he goes, I think you have to personalize this. The problem with health is that you can't use data to do that. You have to operate. You have to do it off of signals, contextual signal data, some, some, no, not, not actual data about the person, not, not personally identifiable information. And so he had run some experiments and he he found that he was able to boost marketing performance, the ability to get vac- people get, to get vaccinated by plus 30 to 60%. And in fact, his research showed that he'd saved 3,500 lives by getting that right. Well, that's serious business. We did what the MMA does. We formed a consortium of a bunch of marketers. Uh, GM was in that, Kroger's was in that, uh, Monday.com with iHeartMedia and, uh, and my friends over at ADT, the security company. And they agreed to participate in a consortium trying to understand what is AI's application to personalize ads and then to use contextual signal to create that personalization, what would be the boost in performance? So Rex has done the analysis. And by the way, just for those of you who have the technical background, we were using one hot encoding with K-modes clustering and unsupervised learning. That was the basic dynamics that we used in doing the research, just for those who care about that kind of thing. So this is a unique way of bringing marketing to to the world we didn't do generative ai in the creative we we put containers around it you know markers are not willing to do generative ai out live yet there's no way we found boost in performance plus 195 percent. we could 3x the performance of their marketing against the goals the brand set relative to, to their best efforts other places to boost performance that's game changing you're talking two to three and in one case we saw almost 4x boost in performance of the ads that's insane so to me this is a revolution the thing to not forget about that too michael by the way is that we've also started serving personalized ads that have relevancy to consumers like we stop annoying them with ads that don't matter with shit that they don't care about i mean that's what we're doing we're personalized ads in a way that they might find more helpful less annoying less off target so it's like it's to me like the AI thing. It's the perfect. It's the perfect world. Like everybody's gonna win. That's inc- that's that doesn't often happen. And let's not forget too. Some of this is reducing the cost too. So like you know, tell me one other thing in your organization you have that can lower the cost and uh, you know that that comes in lower cost and boost performance. Those ideas don't come around. You know, maybe a couple once in a decade. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the time deal with that is, but it's not very often. It's a big deal. So there are folks who are making sophisticated use of AI and data in order to drive very meaningful results back to their organization that ultimately can can be attributed to to which revenue can be attributed. Out of the five studies we've done, I won't name the marketer on this one. One of them didn't work. It was zero. Zero. Zero meaning what exactly? It means that the AI-driven personalization approach that we had did not improve the performance of the advertising at all versus what they were already doing. So listen, for me, there's as much learning in the failures as there is in the successes, right? And what the issue was there, we just didn't personalize the ads enough. So what we didn't know going into this, and this is this is the issue with with experiments, right? Those of you in the, in the audience are always focused on having to do that kind of thing. Like, you know, was it what was it? Can we isolate the factor? Do we really know what drove it? You know, how do we separate it from you know what might just be casual, you know, uh, observance? And what we found on this one here is that it was the they didn't personalize the ads enough. 
And as a result, not personally yet. So now we've isolated, go, okay, it's not that we're just doing better placement of the ads. It's that we're actually personalizing the ads we think is the issue. And we still got to do more work. But Michael, you know, nothing's simple. Everything pops up other questions. Like here's the issue that came up too, which is funny. And, you know, you have to be kind of a real a bigger marketer to probably appreciate that. The issue too that uh, that we ran into in the first study, we said, well, okay, this is great, but how do you write a creative brief when we don't have a finalized ad, when we're just accumulating assets that could be configured into a variety of different ads? So, I mean, there's just there's there's questions like that that come up too that we've still got to go solve. So there's a lot more to be done here, but in the beginning, I, I I've I've been doing this over three decades. I have never seen that kind of boost in performance, let alone a lowering of cost. Crazy, it's crazy. I don't want to go too much into the weeds, but in this instance where it did not work, was there a, yeah. a data problem? You said that there was insufficient personalization. Was that a result yeah. of the technology or the data wasn't right, or we didn't understand the, the consumers? What would you, what was the problem? It was a color of the product. They had rotated the color product, but it wasn't real personalization. You know, if you're going to do personalization, you want to change the headline, you want to change the background colors, you can do that. You can certainly change the product. You want to show different views of the product. You want to bring in different characters. You know, you should even start to assess, you know, a reflection of change, slight tweaks if your strategy. I'm not saying you need to be way off your brand strategy, but but there should be much more substantive kind of issues. And the, the changes, the personalization changes just weren't significant enough. They, they were, you know, the consumer said, like, who cares? So it really, but the point of that is that when we saw limited personalization, but different versions of the ads, it wasn't just the placement that then did that, which is what we could have said. We could have said, hey, we're just, because we're using contextual signal. You know, we found another one too. If, can, Michael, can I give you another example of the one that we, that we had here? We did an audio one that was really, this is really interesting. If you're, uh, and again, I'll get a, oh. Slight, slightly into the weeds for marketers, but I'll make it fast. Most marketers would do a thing called A-B test split on creative. So, you know, and in this case, there was an audio ad. One had a, just keep it simple. I have a female voice and a male voice. You would split test that, uh, evaluate that. And you would come back and say, oh, the female voice did 20% better. And you'd run the female voice everywhere. That's what you do. You blow up female voice. Okay. We said, let's not do that. Let's run male, female, change the message just slightly, but run male, female and see where it went. So. Female performed better overall, just as we knew. However, male performed better in some states. In fact, it was Southern states and Utah and Michigan, oddly enough. Our thesis, we don't know, we will prove it at some point, is that those tend to have cultures or populations that might be a little more patriarchal or, or guess. We don't know that for a fact, but I, you know, that was our initial thesis. The other thing we found too is that the male voice always performed better after 10 o'clock at night iPhone, Android, different. So we started to see all these nuances that we never could have either developed enough creative to accommodate. I mean, you just couldn't do it. You certainly probably couldn't write enough rules to figure that out. You really needed to let the AI itself run and find that best opportunity. So there's still a lot more work. In fact, we've done some involvement, but it was very, that that audio one, that audio campaign really was like mind blowing for us. So again, we're just beginning a new journey here. It sounds like there is extensive use of AI and data that marketers are using, but it's embedded in various tools to accomplish specific tactical goals. However, some of those tactical goals ultimately roll up to make a major strategic impact. Michael, give me one more rev on that question. I think there's something interesting in what you're saying there. Why do you ask that question? 
I want to go. I want to go after that one a little bit because we began this discussion saying that marketers are not really using AI all that much yet, and they're scared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as you talk about it, as you drill in, it becomes clearer that there are at least uh, major experiments that are going on. Yeah, but it has to do with things like like personalizing ads and placement of ads which we may not think of as being strategic to a marketer, but the end result is this tactical activity will become strategic because it affects directly the marketer's reason for existence. Michael, I, I, I kind of sense you were going after the big one there. Jesus. Okay. Listen, Michael, we're going to need, we're going to need three, we're going to need episodes uh, 838, 839, and 840 to cover this one, just to be aware. Okay, well, let's just tell the audience we're going to go for eight hours now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everybody, you listen, I'd encourage you to get a snack, okay? Yeah, settle in. Maybe a box of Triscuits like I have here, <laughs> whatever it takes. But we're in it for the duration here. We're, in, we're not letting anybody go. This is how screwy marketing is. And again, I want to be careful here at some level. I'm trying not to make, I'm not trying to pick on market. I am a marketer. That's all I've ever done in my career. And by the way, it's all I ever wanted to do. I don't know. I watched Bewitched too much as a child. I don't know what happened. I only ever cared about marketing. So the challenge that we have, I had, I had, a, I had a, when we started to do our marketing org work about six years ago, we had a meeting. Uh, it was a closed door meeting of just marketers. So they would speak freely. And we were just kicking off a project around the marketing org work. And the professor, Dr. Omar Rodriguez from Emory University was with me. And we opened, we, oh, oh, wait, in the room, let me set the stage. In the room was the CMO of General Motors, CMO of Duncan Brands, the CMO of T-Mobile, CMO of Allstate, CMO of Chobani. You get the idea. These are heavy hitter marketers in the room. Generous of them to spend the time with us. And we asked them a throwaway question. It's supposed to be 10 minutes, just a warm-up question, just to get them going. We asked them, what's the role of marketing? What's the role of CMO? One hour later, one hour later, Michael, we never got to another topic. And we realized that nobody in the room agreed the role of marketing. Six years ago, we couldn't agree amongst the biggest C-suite executives in marketing in the world, what is the role of marketing? That's nuts. How do we expect the CFO or the board or the CEO to understand us and, and appreciate what we do? And, and even to be able to give direction to us if we're, not, if we're not clear. Part of the reason we've done the marketing org work that we have. So listen, there's a bunch of foundational issues that we still need to do. Now, the answer to the question is, we should be about growth. So in the example I gave, in the example around this AI research, which, by the way, if people want to look it up, it's called the Consortium for AI Personalization. It's a project within MMA Global that we've now been running and starting to publicize and talk about publicly. But if it's about growth and you can take the dollars that the CFO or others have given you to invest for the brand, right? That's how you we think, I think, marketers should think about this. And we can, you know double, triple, almost quadruple. And, and like I said, we just started. Maybe it's even maybe it's even more the performance of marketing. I think that comes pretty strategic. And where that's interesting too is that let's understand the boost in performance of your marketing or advertising is only beneficial until everybody else figures it out too. So my point would be, and by the way, I identified how many marketers did I say, Michael, have done this? Four, right? Or the F or the others? Why have not 20, 30, 40, 50 marketers take up? Listen, I have no ax to grind. I have nothing to sell. I'm not going to sell you another CAP studies, consortium for personal system. I do it once. I do experiments. That's what I do. I think everybody needs to jump on this as fast as possible. That's your obligation. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure it's not strategic. 
at some level. On this exact point, we have a very interesting comment from LinkedIn, and this is from Deep Condawal, who says the following, and I think he's getting right to the heart of the matter here. He says, AI comes with a very high cost. Everyone is focused and heavily investing in AI, but what about ROI? Are we able to achieve real business value and growth? And maybe you can transplant that question into the CMO realm because it seems like right to the heart of the matter. We didn't do anything special for this research here. There was, you know, we use a company called Arts AI. It's now owned by Claritas to do the actual work here. They were part of the engine. I'm pretty sure most of those campaigns ran through. Actually, Innovate did one of them too, by the way. Uh, but um, uh, we ran those campaigns through uh, Google's DV360 and uh, Trade Desk. You know, there was a special. I think where his question may have been going was around LLMs. It felt it felt like the way he asked that and how you accumulate into your own. And I don't know. And you're right. LLMs are really expensive. <laughs> There's no question about that. MMA's trying to build one now for our stuff. But um, uh, and I don't know how far that goes. And I, I have not seen enough of that work to to know for a fact. But uh, I do. And I'm not sure if we know the real gain on that. I think my point, you know, if you take the 45 some odd use cases that we've built, like I'll tell you another one we're working on right now. We're talking to uh, the guys at Media Monks, uh, S4 Capital, the thing that uh, uh, Martin, Sir Martin Sorrell, uh, you know, is redoing his agency life. We're talking to them about a project where we can. Yeah, some of you probably heard this. Like, it's basically using a kind of a, you're using agents and some of users. So instead of let me explain that better. Instead of having a focus group, which takes time to set up and it's a pain in the ass to do, it costs a lot of money. Got to get people together, and then there's sort of a falsehood even with focus focus groups. They're a little questionable. Sometimes the research there isn't as clean as you'd want to get in the environment. What that is. We actually believe that you can actually do all that insight research just right off, you know, a data set, maybe even just off the web. And so we're developing an experiment where we can kind of figure out that. Now that would be amazing. If you could take your insights development and shrink that from six weeks to, you know, six minutes, not not really, but six hours or whatever it is, six days even, you know, you've really benefit because now you're faster response to consumers, faster, faster response to the culture, the marketplace, you know, just so much better. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not seeing AI. I guess I have to hear more from them about where they think it's really expensive. So I, I don't know. And, and, and maybe competitive advantage has. So there it is. You know. Let's talk about uh, responsible AI and the ethical privacy brand safety issues. What are you hear from CMOS about that? And and pretty quickly. This panel I did yesterday, they started that with that sense of fear, which I think is a very corporate reaction. I appreciate it. We do have an expert now who is working with us to develop a series of responsible AI. We'll be sending agendas against that we need to do. But it's, it's a real issue. And I, I would also put to the top of that list, too, and it's another experiment we're doing is around bias. How does bias appear, especially if, you know, if you, everybody understands, I think your audience all gets, you know, like the data sets are only based on what culture has told it already. And, you know, that means bias gets repeated. And so we're going to do two things. One, how do we do our best to remove bias? It's important to marketing. And then I also want to try to understand the economic value of getting the bias, because I think it will give us an extra boost to be even more serious about that topic. So again, more, more, more to come around that, but Yeah. And and uh, I know we've got a list of about twenty five things that we're running by the team. The uh, the um, this you know we we formed this AI leadership coalition that's going to be trying to help dig in to figure out where we need to be better around guidelines frameworks. I don't know. I could go on and on, but you know, yes, critical critical topic. You're right, Michael. And the CMOS that you're in touch with obviously are recognizing the the crucial importance of these issues as well. I'm assuming. 
Of course. And, you know, boards' jobs are to manage risk. So they're, you know, the CMOs are getting asked by the boards, what are we doing to sort of mitigate risk? Usually, I just, the tone of that I heard in this discussion yesterday, that everybody was really focused. The disappointment about that conversation is they're focused on risk first rather than the huge opportunity. I'm aware of the opportunity and not everybody is. You know, we just need to double. We need to have two. Everybody got to have two work streams, performance and be responsible. So, yeah, let's let's go. Not that, it's not that hard, everybody. Let's go. Among CMOs, do you think that there is really broad and deep understanding of what the opportunities of AI are, or is there a lack of understanding around what's possible? Anything new is hard. I think companies, corporations in particular, struggle to get to new. This is what it is. You know, they were. I, I was there for the dawn in my of the web, not not the internet, but the web in '94. I was running. A, I was running an interactive group at Young Rubicam at the time. I mean, there's just a slow. I don't think we're as slow as we used to be, but we're not as fast as the opportunity presents itself. How's that? I don't know. I don't have a better answer for that. And I can't manage people's individual careers or the risks that they have. And they've got other complexities within companies, but um, I don't know. We see big, I mean, I don't, I think I said, no, it's, it's a big, it's cool. I think most people do think that marketing is probably the area that will be most impacted by AI though. I will say that. I hear that a lot from people. It's generally what we seem to think. So. What do marketers think the impact of AI and the shift in skills will mean for their own organizations? I can't speak to everybody and what they should do around that. You know, this research I mentioned before around marketing org that we've done and that we're trying to adapt to AI is really around capability and in some degree competency building, right? I think the thing I would say, and this is a little snarky, but, um, I, you know, uh, you've heard people say that a- AI will replace jobs. I think the issue is actually different than that. I think the issue is, is that if you don't learn AI and how to apply it to your daily job, you will get replaced by somebody who does know how to do that. So that's not the machine. That's your lack of adapting into the future. It's certainly what I try to sort of politely communicate to the team of the MMA that we have a responsibility as forward leaders in the industry to really get good at this stuff as fast as we can. And we're doing, we're doing a bunch of programs around that. So I, yeah, you know, this is, but that requires the energy and effort of the people at the top to really direct the teams to go there. So I don't know, a bunch of things that we do around that, but I, that's a whole nother topic, I think at some level, but critical, 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 critical. So essentially I'll paraphrase here. Tell me if, if, if this is wrong or right. The bottom line is AI is going to have an enormous impact and you better learn about it and you better get your team and your organization up to speed. You have some time, but you better be on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Come on, people. Abacuses are dead for a reason. <laughs> Let's go. Game on. Balls in play. Make it happen. Get there fast. If you don't do it, we find somebody who will. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I've always been very future leaning myself personally, you know, for whatever reason. So I I I'm I'm um I'm sensitive to those who maybe don't feel that way, but really you gotta get going. I love that. Abacuses are dead for a reason. Okay, that works. I don't know if it was that clever, but yeah, fair enough. Another question from Twitter this time, and this is from Elizabeth Shaw, who, it's a good question. She says, how should CMOs manage the risks of using AI, including brand and reputational risk? 
we're going to try to create using crowdsourcing of our members, the best of our ability and the experts that I have at our disposal to try to create a series of guidelines, checklists and some of that that will mitigate some of that risk. I do think though, uh, I think also too, you want to be careful. Uh, you want to manage, obviously, management around the risk. You want to have buy-in from 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 you know either the CEO, CFO, who are you reporting to? You know, structure too is a pretty big one around this. There's also places too where it really matters. So you know, uh, Rex Briggs, who I mentioned earlier, has just completed a book. It's not out public yet, but I've had a chance to read it. It's called the AI Conundrum. And what Rex uh, pushes, and he's spoken in our event, so if you want to see more, I can get a hold of that for you. But um. He talks a lot about like um, understanding where you really have to be exactly right and other places that you don't. And so there's a framework that he has in the book that helps you, help you think those through and your risk tolerance should be, you know, uh, lower in those cases, you know, and it's matching that up, you know. I mean, you know, listen, automatic, you know, uh, automated driving, self-driving for cars, we'd better be more right than wrong. And we'd better be really damn good about it because people die. Marketing, yeah, okay. There's some risk, but you know, not catastrophic often. So, but more, more. We'll we'll do some more work on that. Good question, though. And Deep Conderwall comes back, and he just wants to comment that you're a great storyteller. <laughs> you know, and that I'll give you a free, I'll give you Rex's book for free. How's that? If you write me, I'll send it to you. All so, right. Well, I don't know that much of right, but you're kind of, you're kind of say. <laughs> Greg, as we finish up, final thoughts on marketing today and, and where you see CMOs need to be focusing their efforts. You all watch the patterns, right? It was the PC. Then it was internet. Then it was mobile. AI is the next trend. This is the most important thing that's going on. So, and this is where competitive advantage gets created, where opportunities anew are accelerated, right? And I built my whole career and followed all those trends all through the decades. So I would strongly encourage you to lean in as hard as fast as you can. I have, as I mentioned earlier in the research we've done around performance of marketing and advertising itself, I've never seen those kind of gains. And we've just started. The tools aren't even really developed somewhat. So I'm a strong believer that, you know, if you really want to move your business forward, if you really want to play a role, if you really wanted to sort of move to the level that we want, MMA wants CMOs to get at, this is that opportunity here and now. Let's go, everybody. Well, it's good advice. And... With that, I want to say a huge thank you to Greg Stewart. He's the CEO of MMA Global. And Greg, thank you so much for being here. I really, really do appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. It was really an honor to get an opportunity to, uh, to uh, join here at CXO Talks. So thank you. And everybody watching, thank you for joining us, especially to those folks who ask such great questions. Now, before you go, Please subscribe to our newsletter and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out CXOTalk.com. We have extraordinary shows coming up next week. We have the CEO of Salesforce AI, and she's amazing, and that will be great. So check out CXOTalk.com. We'll see you again next time, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>